I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Senator, nice to be with you here today. You just got back in from Washington, D.C., and there is some serious news that's broken this week that I think a lot of people don't realize is happening, and that is the disastrous policies of the Biden administration are really coming back to haunt us, and it's now dealing with a national security issue. It's not just the policies with Ukraine and Russia. It's also now dealing with Iran. And there were some questions that you asked, and I want to play this for people because I think it's so important. You were talking about the massive disaster that was, in fact, the Nord Stream pipeline and not having sanctions early enough. For everybody that's listening, and if you're watching this, this was a moment that I think is going to come back to haunt this administration for a long time. Let's take a look. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Welcome to each of the witnesses. Uh, Ms. Newland. as you know, in January of last year, the Senate voted on my legislation to impose sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, and it did so before Russia had invaded Ukraine. When the Senate voted on those sanctions, President Zelensky publicly urged, even begged, the United States Senate to pass those sanctions. And President Zelensky said, passing those sanctions then were the last chance to prevent Russia from invading Ukraine, the last chance to prevent Russian tanks rolling into Ukraine. Was President Zelensky wrong? Senator Cruz, uh, like you, I am, and I think the administration is very gratified to know that Nord Stream 2 is now, as you like to say, a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. I personally, um, having been involved along with my boss, Secretary Blinken, in all of those negotiations with Russia to try to prevent this war in December, do not believe that had that Nord Stream 2 been cut off in January, that would have been decisive for Putin. It was important that the day the war began, the Germans cut the pipeline, as did the rest of the Europeans, but he was bound and determined to go into Ukraine, as you know. So you believe Zelensky was wrong when he said stopping Nord Stream 2 was was the last and best way to stop this war? I don't think it would have stopped Putin, and, you know, I... And, and I, when, I, the I government, when the government of Poland similarly said begged the United States Senate to pass those sanctions and said, this is the last and best opportunity to stop Russia from invading Ukraine. You believe Poland was wrong too? I do not believe we would have prevented this war had the Europeans acted faster on Nord Stream 2. I wish it were the case. Wow. Senator, go back through this timeline because this is now the chickens coming home to roost for everybody that got it wrong. 
Well, Joe Biden caused the war in Ukraine. It is because of the foreign policy failures of this president that we're seeing the biggest land war in Europe since World War II. And, and in particular, what I was asking, that was a hearing in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee that happened yesterday. And that is the Undersecretary of State, Victoria Nuland, who was testifying. And this administration now has elevated President Zelensky to the status of a modern-day saint. He's, he's been canonized already. And, and the Democrats have taken to, to singing his praises nonstop. And the point I was making here is, wait a second. Zelensky was begging for your help before the war started in order to prevent it, and you refuse to help. And, and what's the backstory? Listen, Putin has wanted to invade Ukraine for a long, long time. He wanted to invade when Trump was president. He knew not to do it. Well, and, and one of the big reasons he, he didn't. You look at, in 2014, Putin invaded Ukraine. He invaded Crimea, the southern portion of Ukraine, but he stopped short. Why? Because going into all of Ukraine risks the natural gas pipelines that run right through Ukraine, and Russia gets a huge portion of its revenue from selling natural gas and oil, and it needs to be able to get that natural gas to Europe through Ukraine. The next year in 2015, Putin began what's called Nord Stream 2. It's an undersea pipeline that goes from Russia to Germany. The entire purpose of it is to circumvent Ukraine so that he could invade Ukraine and not have to worry about getting gas to market. In 2019, I introduced and passed legislation to sanction the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, to shut it down before it was built. That legislation passed. I got Republicans to support it. I got Democrats to support it. Trump signed it into law. Putin stopped building the Nord Stream 2 pipeline literally the day Donald Trump signed my sanctions legislation. That day, the pipeline stopped. It was dormant. It was dead. As, as Victoria Newland noted, as I've said many times, it was a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea for over a year. In December of 2020, I introduced and passed a second set of sanctions legislation to sanction Nord Stream even further to make sure Putin didn't resume building the pipeline. And you knew this be, be, was so important because of the financial side of this for Russia, and you were thinking ahead, like anybody should on, on an issue like this. It was the way to stop Putin from invading Ukraine. Joe Biden becomes president January 20th, 2021. Four days later, January 24th, 2021. Putin resumes deep-sea construction of Nord Stream 2. It literally took four days to reverse what we had accomplished under Donald Trump. Putin returned to building the pipeline. Why? Because Biden foreshadowed weakness. Then, later in 2021, Biden formally waived sanctions on Nord Stream 2. He basically gave Vladimir Putin a multi-billion dollar gift and caused the Ukraine war. Well, the question I just asked there, in January of last year, of 2022, I forced a vote on the Senate floor to reimpose those sanctions on Nord Stream 2, the sanctions that had worked. Every Senate Democrat had voted with me, not just once, but twice, in 2019 and 2020, in favor of those sanctions. The day of the vote, Joe Biden came to Capitol Hill and he personally lobbied the Senate Democrats. It's the only time I know of that he's done so since he's been president. Asking them, please vote against Cruz's sanctions. Vote in favor of Russia. Vote in favor of Putin. When that happened, President Zelensky publicly pleaded with the United States Senate. Please pass Cruz's legislation. It's the only way to stop Russia from invading Ukraine. Poland, the government of Poland, formally put out a statement asking the Senate to pass my legislation. They said it was the way to stop Russia from invading Ukraine. They said, if you don't pass it, Russia will invade Ukraine. 44 Democrats decided to put partisan loyalty above national security. They voted for Putin. They voted for Russia. They voted against sanctions. 
And just a few weeks later, Russian tanks rolled into Ukraine. And so that's what I was asking her. Is Zelensky, who you've said is a modern day saint, was he wrong when he told you we can avoid this whole damn war if you just impose the sanctions? And she was forced to say, yes, I think he was wrong, because the alternative is to admit Joe Biden screwed this whole thing up and caused this war to begin with. You mentioned weakness, right? That, that they were the foreshadowing and they understood, OK, Joe Biden's weak. And Vladimir Putin said, I'm going to start this four days after he becomes president again. You're saying we got to do the sanctions here. But the question I know that everybody wants to ask is, what was in this for the president? Why was it so important to him? And before you answer that question, I want to remind people about Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is an incredible company, a conservative Christian phone company. If you have a cell phone with a big tech, you can switch it to Patriot Mobile. Not only can you save money, but every time you use your phone and every time you pay your bill, you're actually supporting the causes that we all believe in. The first, the second amendment right, protecting the unborn children in this country, and even helping now with adoptions. If you've never checked out Patriot Mobile, go to patriotmobile.com slash verdict. That's patriotmobile.com slash verdict. Check them out, make the switch, and make a difference with every phone call. Now, Senator, I, I, I go back to what I was saying a second ago. What was in it for him? Why would he be saying, I want to get this deal done? Because this is what a foreign lobbyist for Russia would be advocating yeah, yes. for. And yet the president's the one who goes to the Hill, as you mentioned it, to put it in perspective, and this was something so important to him. He needed to meet personally with all these senators to give the best deal you could give to the Russians. Look, I don't know why he wanted to. Um, I think there are a couple of theories. One, Biden came in on foreign policy with the assumption everything Trump did was wrong. If he did one thing, let's reverse it. And listen, that's not unique to Biden. Most presidents come in, and if the opposing party did something, they often want to reverse it. So I get that instinct. But here... This had been a massive bipartisan victory that Joe Biden threw away. By the way, you know who agrees with that? Victoria Nuland. She argued passionately for Biden to impose those sanctions. She got overruled. Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, argued passionately for Biden to impose those sanctions. He got overruled by the White House. And, and you know, the, the other reason I would give— the Biden White House on foreign policy, they've been spectacularly wrong on ever, almost every single aspect of foreign policy. And not just little blunders, massive blunders. I think we need to remind people, you have Afghanistan, you have this this war. On the biggest moments on the stage, and he remember, he said, I'm the guy. I've been around. I've been, I, I, was, I was on the foreign relations. I've done all this as the vice president. That was what he ran on. It, it, it reminds me of something Reagan said about liberals, which is it, it's not what they know. It's that so, so much of what they know just isn't so. The Biden foreign policy team came in as smug, enlightened. They said, the adults are in charge yeah. now. And, and, and part of their view is, is Germany can do no wrong. I, I, my, my national security advisor jokes that the Biden foreign policy team slept with votive candles of Angela Merkel under their beds. <laughs> like, like they just, and Germany wanted this pipeline because they just wanted the money. They didn't care about anything else. Give us the money. Screw Ukraine. Germany was terrible on this. And the Biden White House decided, well, let's pal around with Germany and never mind that it's, it's giving a huge multi-billion dollar gift to Putin. And they didn't understand. They fundamentally don't understand weakness is provocative. They think if they're really weak and really nice to Putin, he'll just smile and go away. And so they thought, well, if we give him this multi-billion dollar gift— why would he invade Ukraine? We've given him everything he wants. And they don't understand that the way you deal with bullies is strength rather than weakness. But it's even worse than that. We're now a year into this war. And the Joe Biden administration is in many ways playing both sides of the war. And, and, and I want to turn to... to an additional set of questions from the hearing yesterday because 
the Biden administration desperately wants to cut a new nuclear deal with Iran, and it's willing to have billions of dollars flow into Iran, which has happened under Joe Biden, and to have that money be used in support of Putin and Russia in the war in Ukraine because they're so obsessed with Iran. So here, play the questions. Let's talk about Iran's supply of drones to Russia. The Biden administration made an immediate decision to go to the United Nations and drop the general UN arms embargo on Iran because they say it was required by the original JCPOA nuclear deal. Biden officials say part of the embargo dealing with drones is still in place, but even that measure will expire this fall pursuant to the JCPPA. I believe the Biden administration should immediately go to the U.N., invoke our snapback authority, and keep the embargo in place. Do you agree, or do you believe we should allow the U.N. arms embargo on Iran to expire and allow Iranian drones to continue to go to Russia and be, be used against the people of Ukraine? Time of the senator has expired, but please answer his question. Thank you. Senator Cruz, you are absolutely right that Iranian drones are fueling this war, and that is why we have taken uh, many, many increased sanctions measures against Iran over the last uh, couple of months, including against the IRGC Guard Corps Aerospace Force, the Quds Force Aviation Industry, the Shahid Aviation Industry, Russian Aerospace Forces. The have you stopped the drones? Uh, we have not stopped the drones, and this is part of the problem. We've not stopped the drones. This is part of the problem. So people understand, as it was just said there, the drones are fueling this war in Ukraine. In other words, there's a lot of weapons that Ukraine's gotten from the international community to fight back. Russia's using these drones coming in from Iran to kill innocent people, women, children, anybody they want to target from the air. And, and, and this is basically one of their best weapons they have in this entire last year of the conflict. And it's coming from Iran. So the Biden administration is effectively funding both sides of this war. Let's say that again, because that's serious news. The Biden administration is effectively funding both sides of this war. Why? Well, they flooded billions of dollars into Ukraine and President Zelensky. Some of it has gone to weapons being used to fight the war. Much of it has gone into the government, including in places in the government where corruption is endemic and a serious problem. But at the same time, they've also lifted sanctions on Iran and have flowed billions of dollars into Iran. And Iran has turned around and it's sending drones to Russia to use to kill Ukrainians. So and, and by the way, one component of, of what Joe Biden has done with Iran, we had in place under Trump sanctions on their oil sales. I pressed the Trump administration to impose those sanctions. Those sanctions had effectively shut down oil sales for Iran. Joe Biden has essentially refused to enforce those sanctions. So today, the Ayatollah is selling over a million barrels a day of oil because Joe Biden is letting him. And the money even other sanctions. Yes, because Biden won't enforce the sanctions. The so, Biden so, foreign so in other policy. Words, you get to say we have sanctions. The Biden foreign policy is simple: screw our friends and show weakness to our enemies. That's what they do. So literally, the drones that are killing Ukrainian soldiers are from Iran and are essentially paid for by the Biden administration lifting sanctions on Iran. It is asinine, and it's because they're not serious about this. When they engage in foreign policy, it's virtue signaling. It's not focused on American national security. It's not focused on our interest. It's focused on whatever will make the Biden foreign policy team popular in the faculty lounge at whatever university they want to go back to. And I got to say, it's just nuts to be funding both sides of a war. Last question on this. People hear that there's sanctions and they say, as you just mentioned, they're not being enforced. Is there any mechanism for Congress to be able to like say, hey, guys, 
you're not enforcing these sanctions. We obviously probably know who's buying this oil. That wouldn't be hard to figure that out. There's bad actors involved here. Or is this basically, I'm the president. Yes, there's sanctions. If I don't want to enforce them, I don't have to. So, yes, Congress could definitely do that. I've introduced legislation to do exactly that. The problem is the Senate Democrats all support Joe Biden. No matter how bad the foreign policy is, they vote in favor of Biden. Look, when Trump was president, I brought together Republicans and Democrats to overwhelmingly pass sanctions on Nord Stream 2. All those same Democrats that voted for sanctions, not once but twice, they voted for it in 2019, they voted again for it in 2020. In 2022, when they voted against sanctions, the only thing that had changed was the letter behind the president's name. Instead of an R, it was a D. And they were more than happy to vote for sanctions when Trump was president. But once Biden was president and he had decided he wanted to give in to Putin, the Democrats weren't willing to stand up, stand up and do the right thing. There's going to be a lot of Americans that are frustrated over this one because we're sending so much money, yep. so much aid. And like you said, we're basically funding both sides of this war, all because they're too dumb to realize that they're doing this. And I'm not even sure he understands exactly how it's ridiculous it is. ideology trumps everything. And, and their ideology, their objective ideologically is, is, by the way, this White House is fundamentally okay with Iran getting a nuclear weapon. They believe America has no right to determine who has nuclear weapons. By the way, that's nonsense. When the Ayatollah chants death to America and death to Israel, we had to do everything necessary to make sure that lunatic never gets a nuclear weapon because I don't want to risk his using it to murder millions of Americans. But that's actually an America first foreign policy that's focused on defending America. When it comes to Biden, it it is essentially an America last foreign policy. And I and they don't mind them having a nuclear weapon. That's why they're obsessed with this deal so much. Yeah. Again, it, it it's a faculty lounge foreign policy. It's whatever is popular with left-wing professors who, you know, believe that if you just put daisies in, in the barrels of machine guns and, and make love, not war, and give peace a chance, that that's the solution. And what they do not understand— is weakness is provocative. I believe in peace through strength. Um, there's a reason nobody goes and gets a degree from the Neville Chamberlain School of Foreign Affairs. Because appeasement doesn't work. Doesn't work. These guys fundamentally don't understand that. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart -heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think I'm covered. No worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. 
HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors. So you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. While you're dealing with this real issue, there's another issue that the media has been freaking out over. That is Democrats being thrown off committees, not getting committee seats they want. This is supposed to be what America is supposed to care about right now. You actually predicted this last year, and we have that tweet of you predicting that Democrats were going to freak out. Nancy Pelosi's furious over this as well. And I want to play for Bill Pelosi first so that they can see what she said. And you actually predicted when you start scoring with Republicans this way on committees, yep. the Republicans are going to give it right back to you if sure. we get back in charge. Here's Pelosi. Didn't you open the door to this? No, but we set a precedent, which I hope they will follow. If they have members as they did, who threatened the security of our members on the committee, were a danger to our members, threatening them, then they would go off the committee. So if they have that accusation about any of our members, let's hear what they have to say. It was clear that their members were a threat to our members. So this is about maintaining safety for our members. The fact that they want to sell take these people off the committee is more philosophical. It's philosophical. So there she is. (laughs) Look, that is utter gobbledygook. The Republicans were a threat. We were scared. Now, mind you, these are the same nincompoops that set up metal detectors to walk under the floor of the House because they were afraid the Republicans were going to shoot them. These are the same ninnies that erected fences around the Capitol with razor wire for months after months after months because they wanted to convey to the American people that all Republican voters are wild-eyed terrorists who are going to march on the Capitol and kill us all. What utter crap. Oh, we were afraid. We were afraid, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene was going to go beat up Adam Schiff. Yeah. Like, give me a break. But... All of the caterwauling, all of the tears we're seeing now, I think is hysterical because, as you noted, here's here's yeah, what well, I tweeted I at say, the time. Let's go back. You predicted this last year. Your tweet uh, is one that made me laugh because if you actually watch the tweet itself, you have the gif on there of the people jumping in the hole. Uh, and, and so you can see that. But look at the date down there, November 30th, 2021. You say House Democrats, you know, are basically irrationally partisan and excitedly trying to throw Republicans off committees. The chance that the GOP retakes the House in 2022 are over 90 percent. Prediction come 2023, Swalwell, Omar, Tlaib and others are getting ready to have a lot more time on their hands, meaning they're going to be thrown off the committees. So you what, said it was going to happen. What Pelosi did in 2021 had never happened before which is for the majority party, the Speaker of the House, to say to the minority party, I don't like your members, we're throwing you off the committees. That had never happened. It was an incredible abuse of power. By the, She did that, and then she did it again with the so-called Select Committee on January 6th, when yeah. she said, no, we don't want Jim Jordan, we don't want your members on the committee. And when they did that, I remember looking at it and, and thinking, you know the old... Uh, sociology experiment with little kids where you have one and two marshmallows and and you make clear if they eat one marshmallow they get it now but if they can wait if they can defer gratification they get two marshmallows um the democrats in in congress are all one marshmallow people they could not delay gratification they hated the republicans so much they're like throw them off committees and i'm like What I said in the tweet, you guys are lemmings. You're literally jumping off a cliff because you know you're going to lose. Yeah. November of 2021, every one of the Democrats believed they were going to lose the House, which they did. You know you're going to lose. If you do this to Republicans, the chances are 100 percent they're going to do it to you. And and I named – you know, Swalwell and Omar and, and, you know, Schiff are the three that have lost committees. And it was 
obvious. Well, and which brings me to Adam Schiff. Now he is a crybaby. Uh, he's out there on TikTok, which is even funnier, begging people for money on this app that literally government agencies are saying do not have on your phone. States are saying on state phones don't have it. He goes to Chinese communist TikTok to say, help me, I'm poor, and help me, I've been kicked off committees. Take a look. Hello, I'm Congressman Adam Schiff with some troubling news. Today, Kevin McCarthy removed me from the House Intelligence Committee, all for doing my job, for holding Trump accountable and standing up to the extreme MAGA Republicans. We knew it would be bad when the Republicans took over, but it's far worse than we expected. But I can promise you this, this is not the end of my fight for our democracy. This is just the beginning. Please join us and contribute today. Thank you. I don't even know how to assess that, Senator. Oh, look, that that God has a sense of humor, and that is irony stacked upon irony. So he was previously the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. He demonstrated an incredibly cavalier approach to classified documents, an incredibly dishonest approach to that committee. Um. And so he was removed from it. He was removed from it because Kevin McCarthy laid out that he believed that his lying using classified documents uh, posed a national security threat. It is amazing that the very first thing he does is he goes and gets an account on TikTok that is owned and controlled by the Chinese government, that is an espionage tool for the Chinese government, and he puts out a video on an espionage tool for the Chinese government to say it's terrible that I was thrown off the Intelligence Committee. He does it to raise money for his campaign. And I'll also note he uses the phrase extreme MAGA Republicans. Which yes, that's ev- all of us now. Every Democrat does that now. Yeah. You know, Mitt Romney is an extreme MAGA Republican. I mean, I mean, it just has become— He might be offended by that. But, but, but there is— <laughs> There's a message discipline to the Democrats. They all use those words. That's the new label, extreme MAGA Republican. It's striking. Schiff showed precisely why, and it's very hard when you're doing a recorded thing to say Schiff's name and and not get bleeped by the censors. You have to enunciate carefully. Yes. Um, But... I think he illustrated in his TikTok video quite nicely why removing him from the Intelligence Committee was the right thing to do. But you know what? Don't take my word for it. Listen to Kevin McCarthy. Because what happens in the Intel Committee, you don't know. What happens in the Intel Committee, although the secrets are going on in the world, other members of Congress don't know. What did Adam Schiff do as the chairman of the Intel Committee? What Adam Schiff did, use his power as a chairman and lie to the American public. Even the inspector general said it. When Devin Nunes put out a memo, he said it was false. When we had a laptop, he used it before an election to be politics and say that it was false and said it was the Russians. When he knew different, when he knew the Intel, if you talk to um, John Radcliffe, DNI, he came out ahead of time and says there's no intel to prove that, and he used his position as chairman, knowing he has information the rest of America does not, and lied to the American public. When a whistleblower came forward, he said he, he did not know the individual, even though his staff had met with him and set it up. So no, he does not have a right to sit on that. But I will not be like Democrats and play politics with these, where they removed Republicans from committees and all committees. So yes, he can serve on a committee, but he will not serve on intel, because it goes to the national security of America. It's a pretty bold statement. And you go back to Ratcliffe. It was unprecedented for the director of national intelligence to come out and basically slap a Democrat who's in charge of this committee down saying what he just told you is not true and is a lie. And he had to do that at the time. That's how partisan they had turned this into in his leadership, Adam Schiff. And to say he's a threat to national security is there some politics in that, or do you think that there is some truth to that as well? So, so one of the things to keep in mind about how Congress works. So every member of Congress has access to classified information in one form or another, depending on what committees you are. All of us reviewed cla- review classified information regularly. That being said, the Intelligence Committee in both the House and Senate reviews much, much more sensitive material 
than most other House members or senators. At a higher level of classification. At, at a much higher level of classification. They're reviewing materials. So high that you can store it next to your Corvette in your garage. Uh, exactly. Okay. That's, that's uh, look, <laughs> the, 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 the Intel is regularly reviewing materials that implicate sources and methods that, if revealed, could endanger the lives of U.S. operatives that, that are covert. Um Schiff is chairman of that committee. He had access to the most sensitive secrets we have that most members of Congress don't get. And it is stunning how he behaved with them because he took that classified information he had and he abused that position of trust because he went in front of the American people and repeatedly lied about it over and over again. Hunter Biden's laptop, he said, it's not true. It's Russian disinformation. That was a lie. And he knew it was. And he knew it was. He, we, he also, he, nobody pushed the Russia hoax more than Adam Schiff, and he knew the intelligence didn't back it up. Not only that, we now know through the Twitter files that Schiff was actively urging Twitter to pull down anyone who disagreed with the disinformation he was pushing. He was urging Twitter to call anyone challenging the Devin Nunes memo to call them a Russian bot, Twitter was telling them, well, wait, they're not Russian bots. That's not, in fact, accurate. But Schiff didn't care. He used that position, that access to classified information, and he abused it. It's hard to refute somebody because so few see this information. I think he understood that, right? For people to understand the game he was playing, it was like, who can refute me because there's so few that get to see this stuff? Look, the only thing worse Schiff could have done with his access to important secrets, about the only thing worse you could imagine him doing, is banging a Chinese spy. That would be Eric Swalwell that likes to do that. Well, but 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 Schiff had a pretty powerful defense of That's Eric true. Swalwell. He as did. Well. He came out. This was amazing. Take a look. I do want to mention, uh, with respect to Mr. Swalwell, also that I, as he indicated, I sat in on that briefing. Um, and when Kevin McCarthy misrepresents it um, and, uh, and does that uh, uh, disservice to the American people, it's shameful. Um, uh, Mr. Swalwell has served honorably on our committee. He's never been accused of any kind of wrongdoing. Um, this is a patently unfair smear by Mr. McCarthy, but that's, that's what he traffics in, and that's, that's what we're seeing. Never, never been accused of any wrongdoing except for sleeping with an actual Chinese spy. And, and we're not talking theoretical. Her name was Fang Fang. And my understanding, though I have not actually seen the, the classified briefing on this, but my understanding from the press coverage is she was an actual spy working for the Chinese Communist government assigned to spy on Eric Swalwell. And mind you, what are the Democrats saying? Oh, let, he should be on the Intel Committee. He was on the Intelligence Committee. He should have access to the most secure secrets, even though – and and listen, we've talked about on this podcast how structurally the Democrat Party today is pro-China. Their major constituencies, their major stakeholders, big business, big tech – Big entertainment, big uh, big Hell, universities. Using TikTok, that they are all in bed with China, and we've said the Democrat Party today is in bed with China. Eric Swalwell just took that a little too literally. <laughs> I got it. There's been a lot about classified documents, and just so people understand the abuse here, and how much of, he was abusing his position of power, and I'm referring to Adam Adam Schiff here, obviously, and what he was doing. If you go in and you get to see stuff because you're on the Intel Committee in the House, the Senate side, are you allowed to walk out legally and talk to your colleagues who do not directly have access to that information? How does top secret information work? Because what he was doing was basically looking at it, making up things that didn't exist, and then telling the entire country about it. He'd go on national television and he would say things that were 180 degrees opposite what he knew to be the case. And so he wasn't abusing it in the sense of what Joe Biden was doing, which is leaving classified documents next to his Corvette. That's a different kind of violation. 
But what he was doing was abusing his power. Because he had access to that information, he had a level of credibility that when he went on a Sunday show and he said, here's what the intelligence tells us, people are like, oh, okay, well, he's in a position to know. And his willingness to just flat out lie, it reminds me of the old uh, backhanded compliment of Bill Clinton. He's an unusually good liar. Yeah. Well, and and by the way, it, it speaks volumes now that, that in the wake of being thrown off, off the Intelligence Committee, what is Adam Schiff doing? Running for Senate in the state of California. Get a, get a, get a promotion, right? It, it's, he, wants to, he wants to come come to the other side. He's running for Dianne Feinstein's seat. So we'll see what happens. And who knows? Maybe with California Democrat primary voters being a dishonest, hardcore left-wing partisan, that, that might be a, a very attractive uh, credential, sadly, with that radicalized primary voter. Lastly, there's two quick things I want to get your take on. One of them was pretty shocking. It deals with religion. Uh, there was this new poll put out, and it's very different to see how Republicans, conservatives look at faith and how Democrats look at faith. And I want to throw this up there for people so they can see this, because Democrats literally have, uh, and this is, again, coming from David uh, Bernstein after looking at this poll, Democrats literally have a more favorable view of Wicca and witches than of Orthodox Judaism and Jews. You, you look at Republicans, the top line there. Do you have a favorable or unfavorable opinion of the following groups? Christianity, Democrats plus 29, Republicans totally different plus 54. Now, this to me is shocking. Catholicism, 6% plus for Democrats, 29 for Republicans. Uh, these are numbers that terrify me about the state of this country and where we're heading when it comes to lack of faith. Yeah, look, the, the Democrat Party today is a party where hostility to faith is normalized. And so this question, this was a national poll done on YouGov, and it was just asked, do you have a favorable or unfavorable view of the following faiths? And so, not as, controversial, by the way. That's a yeah. pretty simple question. So, when you ask Democrats, do they have a favorable or unfavorable view of Protestantism? Plus twelve. When you ask Catholicism, plus six, which means almost as many. Democrats have a negative view of Catholicism as have a positive view. By the way, contrast that to Buddhism, yeah. where Democrats have a plus 29. So Democrats are much, much more hostile to Catholics than they are to Buddhism. Or agnostics. Let's take a look at agnostics. Plus 24. They love them some agnostics. Yet you look at Amish, for example. Look at the difference between Republicans and Democrats there. Negative one for Democrats, plus 24 for, for uh, Republicans. I, 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 Atheists, Democrats, plus 13. But then it's interesting, Southern Baptists. You and I are both Southern Baptists. Minus 17. Democrats hate them some Southern Baptists. And, and it really is striking so if, if you look at Orthodox Judaism, Democrats have a negative three view of Orthodox Judaism, which means more Democrats have a negative view of Orthodox Jews than positive view. What is their view of Wicca? Wicca, by the way, is witchcraft. Yes. And that would be plus two. So it is, it is true. They literally have a more favorable view of witchcraft than Orthodox Judaism. And, and, and I got to say, this is, by the way, Democrats also for, uh, for Mormons have a, have a negative 27. So they hate Mormons, they hate Southern Baptists, but they love Buddhists, they love atheists, they love agnostics, and they even love witches more than Orthodox Jews. This is frightening. This is frightening it, it explains some of the divide in our country because the numbers are very, very different. Party affiliation is a good predictor for what you think about faith. But, but, but I got to say, I sincerely wish both parties respected people of faith and were willing to defend your right to live according to your faith and your conscience and the hostility Democrats have towards faith – 
this is Samoai. It's traditional values. It's traditional families. It's it's traditional what what makes I think America great. That's what the Democratic Party is saying. We are openly and adamantly against it, and that should be something I think people should be looking at in elections moving forward. There's one other video I have to sh- I have to show everybody because it's just too good not to. You've got, uh, and you and I were laughing about this before the show, because if you want to know how easy it is to get a job, to get nominated for a good job in the Biden administration, just look at this video of some simple questions being asked to some nominees and a senator. And and this is this week. This is a hearing in the Senate Judiciary Committee this week for a Biden nominee to be a federal judge. So presumably you're nominated to be a federal judge. You, you ought to know, know something. something. Yeah, well, kind of let, a big deal. Let, let's see how it went. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and congratulations uh, to all of you. Um, judge on the far end, uh, tell, tell me what Article 5 of the Constitution does. Article 5 is not coming to mind at the moment. Okay. How about Article 2? Neither is Article 2. Okay. Do you know what purposivism is? Um, In my 12 years as an assistant attorney general and my nine years serving as a judge, I was not faced with that precise question. Um, We are the highest trial court in Washington State, so I'm frequently faced with um, issues that I'm not familiar with, and I thoroughly review the law, our research, and apply the law to the facts presented to me. Well, you're going to be faced with it as a, if you're confirmed. I can assure you of that. Look, I got to say, this woman is wildly unqualified to be a judge. And, and let's talk about, so the Constitution has seven articles. John Kennedy is a dear friend. He's a brilliant legal scholar, actually. He, he has, you know, a bit of an accent and kind of does a matlock, you know, good old boy, but, but he's wicked smart. And his question, he begins with Article 5. Look, Article 5 is the article in the Constitution that lays out how you amend the Constitution. And it's the process that whereby we amend the Constitution. She apparently didn't know that. That's not very If you're good. an attorney, that's a... Somewhat of a big deal. Can we can we agree on that? As big a deal as it is, her next question is an even bigger deal. So the first three articles of the Constitution, Article 1, establishes the legislative branch. All legislative power is vested in the Congress. That's what Article 1 does. Article 2 is the executive branch of our federal government. It is the president of the United States. It is all of the executive branch. And Article 3, by the way is the judiciary. She has been nominated to be what's called an Article Three judge. That's a very particular kind of judge. That's a federal judge with life tenure. She's been nominated to be an Article Three judge, although I'm quite certain she has no idea what that means. And it shows this administration's nominees. They have consistently been, number one, very much affirmative action picks. They care intensely about the race and gender and sexual orientation much more than anything resembling qualifications or judicial temperament or skill but they also care even more than bean counting they want radicals and they have nominated i've never seen judicial nominees this radical you know when obama was president i was not a fan of his judicial nominees biden has made the obama nominees look Look, middle of the road. Yeah. For her not to know what Article 2 of the Constitution is, I I don't even, the idea that a This isn't an a-hole question. This is not an I got you question. This isn't like saying to somebody, name the random leader of a certain country or just to make you look bad or embarrass you. Asking someone what Article 2 of the Constitution is, if you're a lawyer, you should know that especially if you want to be a federal judge. This is not 
Look, there are questions you could ask that are subtle gotcha questions. Yeah. What's Article 2 of the Constitution? Ain't one of them. It's stunning. And by the way, my prediction is every Democrat will vote to confirm her. Because in two years, do you know how many Democrats have voted against a Biden judicial nominee? I'm guessing one or zero. Zero. So it's just they walk in the door, doesn't matter they what they say, you, what you know, they do or why? don't know. Because the press won't cover it. This isn't on the, on the news. By the way, John Kennedy did this to a Trump nominee, a Trump nominee where he asked a question about trial practice. And the Trump nominee didn't know the answer. And it was... Boom. Okay, number one, watching it, it was like watching a train wreck in slow motion. Trump White House withdrew the nomination. That's actually, if we had a functioning executive, if the Article 2 branch was actually working, yeah. they'd they be would like, know. okay, I'm sorry, this she can't be a judge. But they don't care. Uh, my prediction is every Democrat will stick with her. Oh, she doesn't need to know a damn thing about the Constitution. Her job is to let criminals go. She can do that without knowing anything about the Constitution. Must be nice. Easiest way to get a job, that's for sure. Senator, always a pleasure to spend some time with you. We'll see all of you guys back here. As you know, if you're watching this, we do two other podcasts that are audio only. Uh, make sure you subscribe, hit that download button. It's free, and you'll get all of the show's uh, audio version three times a week. We publish Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We do one show a week, which is video. Many of you that are watching this right now, you want to make sure you get those audio versions. So hit that subscribe or auto download button wherever you get your podcasts. And the Senator and I will see you back here in a couple days. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.